With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Thanks for choosing this free Anfield Index podcast. If you'd prefer to listen to this or any of our other shows without adverts, then now's the time to check out Anfield Index Pro. With AI Pro, you can supercharge your entire listening experience. You'll not only get all of our podcasts without the ads, but you'll have them far faster with our quick publish feature available exclusively for subscribers. AI Pro also puts you in the heart of our sound studio with an option to listen to many of our shows live and interact with the podcasters in real time as the shows are recording. Upgrading couldn't be easier. AI Pro is available on all popular podcast platforms and we have our own apps for Apple and Android. Just head on over to AnfieldIndexPro.com and get started today. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of the Nina Carves Show. It was a late kickoff on a Monday. Um, Anfield under the lights, um, lots of drama, but not quite what we were expecting. It finished one all against Crystal Palace. Plenty of talking points, um, plenty of frustration, and um, a lot of what the hell moments. But um, before we get into all that, you know what? Um, let's introduce our guests for this show, um, Two Brave Souls. So without further ado, let me introduce them. Um, Somebody making their debut on the Nina Kaiser show for the season, for this season, you know, uh, it's it's Steve. Steve, welcome back. Thank you very much. What a great game to come back to. What an absolute great game to come back to. And you know what? It, it, I'm looking forward to what you have to say. I'm, I'm sure it'll be really colourful. And joining Steve on this podcast, making his return again on the Nina Kaiser show because he impressed so much more than Liverpool against Fulham. It, I'm delighted to have back. Tom James. Tom, welcome back. Thank you for having me. No, no, no. It's an absolute pleasure. Guys, before we get into this, it finished one all. Um, I guess um, uh, also a massive shout out to everyone that's joining us live on Discord as well. If you've got any questions or anything, um, I will um, be following along and reading them. So, yep. Our usual our usual caller is not part of the Nina Kaiser show today, so it, we feel a little lost. Um, but shout out to Kieran. Right, let's kick this off, guys. Um, let's let's talk about um just how you feel after that. I mean, because I I always feel like as a host, you've always felt some type of way, and like this this pod gives me a little bit of closure, a lot of closure. But it's good to kind of walk away and like just kind of get you know just express what you're feeling. So, um, Steve, I'm going to come to you first. I mean, we we had a little chat pre pod, but I feel like it should be on an audio file somewhere so can you put like how are you feeling i think numb would be the right word that was just such a numbing experience just just i don't know what what the fuck happened numbing as in the performance or numbing in terms of oh man i can't believe you just dropped two points the performance that our oh man, I can't believe you've dropped two points did they even have a var assistant today who bothered to look at anything and um who who has um who stolen the fab and replaced him with a copy that's just that's how i that's how i felt watching that game today for most of the game just numb sat there going if i wasn't if i wasn't getting to talk to the lovely nita and tom i would have turned that match off at half time and gone and done something else in a strop ah interesting um Tom, I'm going to come to you because you and I had a little chit chat on the pod, and like before before the pod, and um, I want to get your thoughts on on how you feel. Yeah, numb's a great word because <laughs> uh, I, I feel like I, spe- I experienced way too many emotions in the last ninety to a hundred minutes, and yeah, I mean the fa- the first half wasn't too there, there was good football played. But mm-hmm. it was one of those where, you know, conceding against the run of play, you want to keep, you want to remain patient, keep your head and keep going. We've been there how many times before? But yeah, we did the opposite of keeping our heads. Yeah. Uh, pun intended. Pun intended. Guys, we'll get to that. That is the second half. But 
I think first things first, we've got to discuss, um, you know, we, you know how we do things on the Nina Kaiser show. We have got to talk about the team lineup. So, uh, Tom, I'm going to come to you. Um, what did you make of the, the team lineup? Of course, um, I think Phillips coming in, um, for Matip there um, and the midfield. I think that was one where we were all kind of looking at thinking, what is Jurgen Klopp going to do? What is Jurgen Klopp going to do? Of course, he, he alluded to in his press conference that Naby's fit now and he should be available to kind of be in the mix for Crystal Palace. But ups for James Milner on the left. And um, of course, we knew Elliot was going to have to start given the injury crisis. So uh, your thoughts on, on the on the lineup? Yeah, I think the, the midfield felt like a bit of a luck of the draw in the build-up. He kind of, I, I went, I think I changed my mind day by day as to what I thought it was going to be. Um, mm. It was good to see Harvey get the nod. It was, I thought it was um, well-deserved. We had a good pre-season, looked good when he came on against Fulham last week. So warranted a start. Um, I didn't expect Milner to be the one partner in him as a number eight. I thought it would have been Henderson on his unfavoured side on the left uh, or maybe Naby if he was fit enough to to start um, and then obviously Nat Phillips I don't think anyone called that one but obviously I think we were all unaware of any issues that, that Gomez was having in the build up and wasn't obviously fit enough to, to to play from the from the start which was a shame because that probably would have saved us but um, yeah from a it was good to see obviously and obviously the front line I forgot about the front line um, Wizzle Absolutely yearning for Nunez to to get his start, and yeah, I guess we'll get to that. We will absolutely. Right. Whilst uh, before I come to Steve, um, I've got a, a Discord message here from Ante, and he goes, "They have no idea the season has started. Arsenal playing like champions. We look pathetic." Steve, I'm going to come to you. What did you make of the team lineup? To be honest, the only surprise there for me was was Nat. It was really obvious that Elliot need, deserved to start. He was really good in the um, I was the, the charity shield. He was pretty good when he came on last week. He's been showing some really positive development over preseason as well. And in my mind, if Cater wasn't ready for ninety minutes, the only player who could really play alongside him was Milner because. Hendo is absolutely useless on the left of the midfield three. And I'm not Hendo bashing here. I thought Hendo was okay when he came on, um, but he's rubbish on the left. So to me, like the midfield made sense because, you know, even though Fab was terrible last week, he's still take a terrible Fab over a terrible Hendo. Um, the front three is the front three, really, especially with Bobby out. So, and the rest of the, team made sense and then with Joe not being ready for 90 minutes which I didn't realise until about 45 minutes before kickoff it's no surprise you know fair enough Nat Nat got picked and actually I've got quite a few notes of he was actually okay um, it's hard to get too annoyed with the selection but it yeah just as the game went on it, the, the, the first, I think we had like an insane amount of shots in the first half an hour. So like this, this team should have been very, very good today, but they looked a little bit like strangers at time, even though lots of those players have played together this, this preseason in the last couple of games. So it's a team that should have been fine. It's a team that should have walked that game comfortably because Palace aren't very good. It's, um, it's a really interesting one because, um, for me, I felt like we did a lot of good stuff. Um, I felt like Liverpool, I mean, I'll, I'll stick with you, Steve, and let's kind of talk about, you know, the first half and how the game started. I thought Liverpool started with, you know, um, with the great intensity. I mean, you, you know, like, in contrast to what happened against Fulham, that was like literally one of the most shocking first halves of footballs I, I, I've seen Liverpool play in a very, very long time. So you know, yeah. I thought they started, you know, I thought they started off really well. I thought there was a lot of intensity. I also, um, I think you know the fact that Crystal Palace set up in such a defensive manner as well kind of just showed that they kind of like knew that we would be all attack. And you know, I think within the first minute, like I, I mean, I know it was quite funny, but you know, Milner kind of it, it shoots and it goes into space, but we 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 had a lot of the ball, and yeah, we were, like, you know, we were moving it quick. 
the, the first eight minutes, I thought we were. I th- it was. I thought it was going to be one of those games where we really, as soon as we got that first goal, we were going to absolutely tear them to pieces. As he said in the first minute, Trent crosses to Darwin. He can't quite get there, but it comes back to Milner, and he, you know, if Milner was maybe two years younger, he'd got a bit close to the ball and wouldn't have. You know, he was he was too far away, so he's leaning back as he struck the ball. Um, there was a bit of interplay with Darwin and Moan, which comes to nothing. Then Harvey Elliott has a drive at goal that's blocked, and Trent's crossing to Darwin, and he's missing at the back post. Like we were, it started off really positively. As I said, that team was a team that looked like it should be comfortable, and the way that Palace were set up, I wasn't worried about that because I wasn't expecting them to get anywhere near him, and it was the, the the first, you know, all those chances come together and you feel like this is going to go somewhere, we're going to get a goal soon and it's going to be an easy win. But then it started to turn into one of those games where we just couldn't get the final ball or we couldn't get it in the back of the net. And that's when I started feeling numb and thinking to myself, oh God, I've seen this before. This is This is going to be a painful experience by about, 20, 25 minutes, it just felt like for all we were doing, we we just weren't going, it, I don't know, I just got that feeling far too early today after about 15, 20 minutes that we just weren't, we just weren't going to score in the first half and we really should have done, we were playing so, so well. And I think that's a big trend for Liverpool, isn't it, where I feel like, you know, um, so, uh, I always go back to Tom, that, that season um, and I call it, you know, um, uh, Covid football when obviously football is behind closed doors and you know and it wasn't the best season for us I think we can all agree right um you know it was yeah. blessed that we made top four football but I I felt like a lot of those games that I watched and you know um and it was a case of the first 10 minutes really set the tone for the game but for me in this one I didn't quite feel like that I just always had this belief because I just felt like we looked really aggressive I thought Trent was pinging the balls in really nicely I saw great movement from Elliot I know we take the mick out James Milner for being old and you know on that left hand side you know he did a lot of like kind of good stuff in my opinion his defensive work was pretty decent but for me um he kept wanting to get into like attacking positions wanting to link up with strikers and stuff and I saw a lot of positivity and I think hindsight is a wonderful thing Tom but for me now when I'm looking back at it I think what kind of cost us was of course the way Crystal Palace was set up defensively um so every shot that we were having was pretty much being blocked and they were kind of forcing us to kind of take um you know you know shots outside the box and you know I think we saw Virgil van Dijk trying to drive one home um in the first half but for me it was more the case of if I look at the game as a whole and in general it was just the final quality right at the end for me that that was the problem. Yeah we we lacked a, a ruthless edge that when we're playing our very best the, the you know we we smell it the, the, the slightest drop of blood and we go for the absolute kill and that's when we're at our best so you know, at the beginning of the first half, it, it seemed like they didn't really have, from a build-up perspective, they didn't really have an answer for us occupying the right-hand side like we did with Trent, Harvey, Salah. And Trent was getting in a lot of great positions and great opportunities to put the ball into the box. And we was, we was I thought we were doing quite well in balancing, making those one or two extra passes and then sometimes going direct, looking for Salah, Diaz, uh, Nunez in behind and being quite direct. We was keeping them on their toes. But like you say, they, they camped enough people behind the ball that they were able to cope with it. And it's one of those games that when that's happening, because we've been there countless times before, we just need to remain patient and keep doing what we do. I mean, I'm seeing, I've, I had a quick look online after the game. I'm seeing Palace fans are absolutely livid with Vieira because they felt like if he had set up a little bit more aggressive and took the game to us a little bit more, they maybe could have got more out of the game. So. I guess that kind of says it all. Yeah, I, I certainly noticed that as well. I mean, and we do know that Palace do have like a few like good players. And what I kind of noticed was, um, you know, for, for the majority of that, of that first, I'd say like 15, 20 minutes, um, you know, I felt like their front men were really, really isolated. It was only just when, when I think Zaha was um, caught offside where I was like, oh, okay, we, we need to pay attention here. But, you know, if, if there wasn't much going on, I felt like we were mostly in control. I felt like if they ever tried to do anything, it was pretty much a long ball or, or you know, um, 
something along them lines. I just felt like they didn't do much. Um, I just felt like they were just pinned defensively, which gave me a lot of hope and kind of showed, like, kind of demonstrated to me that, well, hang on a minute, we do have a lot of threats and a lot of players. And I think, mm-hmm. um, Steve, I'm going to come to you now because obviously there was like some really, really, um, I mean, I'd like to know who kind of impressed you in in the first half because I thought, you know, Elliot had a really good game. I thought he just links up so well on the right-hand side. He pretty much, I don't know, he has like, considering he's a a young lad and he doesn't get much involvement, um, you know, um, he had that unfortunate injury as well last season. But like, on the right-hand side, I just find that he links up so well with, you know, players like Mo Salah and... And Trent, and he just looks so natural there. So you know, for me, Elliot looked really good. Um, I really like the the doggy fight. You know, like the the dog fight in Luis Diaz, where at one point he had three defenders on him, and he was like trying to shake them off and trying to dribble past them. You know, there was there was a lot of like I don't know. I felt like it was the correct response in in consideration to what I saw last week. I, I Elliot was Elliot was brilliant today, and he did a lot of really good things. Um. From from really really early on, it was quite obvious that that Milner was going to play more of a almost like a double pivot alongside Fab, um, occasionally roaming around a bit more, but was being quite sensible with his work because when when Mo was out wide, Harvey was popping in in the hole in that sort of ten position, but popping up on the left and popping up on the right. When Mo was cutting inside or standing alongside Nunes, he was doing a really good job of trying to stretch the pitch and hugging the the byline. He was making lots of good decisions with and without the ball of where he should be playing, where he should be looking for the ball, what he should be doing if he wasn't going to get the ball to stretch the play. He was really smart and he must be livid with his teammates today because he did so, so much. And this could have been a real breakout game for him if the rest of his mates could have put in a bit more effort once we got into the 18-year-old box where he seemed to sort of switch off. Who, who do you think, um, who, who would you be referring to there? I just, we, we just weren't getting the ball to Darwin. All of the crosses to him, it doesn't matter who it was from. There were some from Mo, and, you know, I absolutely love Mo. There were crosses from Milner, from Robbo. They were just, they were, they just were too far away. I know he's, I know he can play like a target man. He can attack the ball, but make sure you get it close enough that you can actually get on the end of it. There were just too many that were too close to the keeper, too far away from him. Um, Mo just wasn't actually getting the ball in the right place and often had two, three defenders around him. And we, okay, we know he's brilliant, but Vieira seems to have drilled his his players really, really well. So that's what I mean. I, I kind of felt sorry for Harvey because the rest of his teammates weren't doing enough for him. And the same for Mo, right? Mo was just against, a, you know, running into brick walls repeatedly. But, I'm sure Dave would never speak to me again for this, but I thought um, up until the goal, Nat was playing really well. I got some notes. There was this bizarre moment where the ball comes over the top and Nat heads it from just inside our half or almost to Nunes on the edge of the box. Um, there was a breakdown our right-hand side and Nat got back and cleared up the ball. Okay, he fumbled it out of play, but he... Made the, you know, he stopped them from attacking. He did, a, you know, made some good decisions and he seemed reasonably composed because he didn't have too much to do. Yeah. But the problem is, is we know how um, patient Zahar, Zahar can be sometimes. Mm-hmm. I think Vieira's probably been good for his mentality because I think he understood today that he just had to sit on the halfway line and be ready for a moment to use his space. And he was. And I know that I'm sure if we listen to Raw later, it'll all be on Nat Phillips, but I actually think Fab sold him one when he loses the ball. And he's never got a chance against a fast, this one that that fast. So I think Phillips did pretty well. Um, I thought Elliot was brilliant. Um, Trent started to look more like Trent. You know, he had a shot blocked. He had multiple crosses. This across in the twentieth minute, in the twenty-first minute, in the twenty-second minute, in the twenty-ninth minute. You know, I've literally got yeah two shots in the thirty-fifth minute. I've got a lot of Trent trying to cross the ball or shoot the ball or pass the ball. He was trying all the right things, but again, his teammates weren't doing anything with it. So, 
and that's that's where normally I'm super. You know what I'm right, Nina? I'm normally super positive. I until we can't win all five trophies, I will be screaming up the five trophy reds all season. But we were doing certain players were doing so much right, and nothing was happening out of it. It just started to make me feel numb, as, as I said at the start, and drained, and that it just wasn't going to come. And I'm not normally this negative in such an easy game. Um, so I thought, yeah, I thought Trent did okay. I thought Harvey was superb, and I thought Nat should. I'd be pretty happy with what he did in the main. Just going back to, you know, the goal that we conceded, you know, Zaha, and um, of course that came round about 31 minutes in, Tom, and, uh, I've, I've, you know, you've just heard what um, Steve has said there, but, you know, for me, uh, I, I actually thought before that as well, Phillips actually was pretty okay you know like he, he he was doing what you what was required of him there wasn't an awful lot of pressure on the defense as well I think that's worth noting as well I thought the defense if they ever did try to target the defense it was the Nat Phillips side and obviously he was handling the situation as well but I think when that goal happened uh, you know we could sit down we can point fingers at you know who should have been where and what you know uh, and of course uh, Phillips was always going to be done by Zaha's um, pace and and not Phillips was lifting up his arm for the offside, but I thought that was a really, really like um, quite an incredible ball by Eze to find him in the first place. Um, but I want to get your thoughts on on just the whole situation of uh, you know who who kind of stood out for you and uh, you know basically we're just talking a lot of we're we're just speaking our feelings on this pod today because I think yeah. there's plenty of feelings. So just whatever tangent you want to go on, go for it. <laughs> yeah, plenty of emotions. Um, yeah. I, I... Pretty much on the same page as, as Steve. I think uh, Harvey was brilliant. I thought, um, you know, say what you want about Milner. I'm not the biggest Milner fan in the world, but you can't kind of, you can't deny the guy is always forward thinking. Like the ball is always going forward when he gets it. He's always looking for the the right decisive pass and his instinct is always to get us forward and get us going at the right tempo. So you've got to appreciate that in, in those circumstances. So. Yeah, I wasn't too I wasn't too unhappy with him. I think in regard to the goal, yeah, Fab threw himself in there, but as Fab does, and I mean, I think Steve touched on it that we didn't we haven't seen the best Fab the first couple of first couple of games, and maybe the best Fab gets there and gets that ball and reads it just that moment earlier, so he cut that out. But um, I I'm probably less sympathetic to to Nat than than you guys. I mean, I mean, don't get me wrong, I think. It's difficult to blame him when I think everyone knows that he's not good enough to be starting for Liverpool. We're for a team that's competing for, wants to be competing for every trophy. You you don't expect to have a player like Nat Phillips on the pitch. So when he does, you kind of there is got to be an element of sympathy there, and he's a he's in a high pressure situation. He's probably. I mean, I think it's been made quite public that he, he wanted to get a move on this summer so he can go somewhere and play permanently and play every week, in which he has been denied just due to the situation we were in with with injuries. But, um, yeah, I mean, I, I think there was a couple of times where, yeah, I, I think he cleaned up a couple of situations where I think, to be honest, I personally thought he, you know, he should be cleaning clean those situations up. But I just felt like every time... Zaha made a meaningful run or if there was a meaningful pass in behind and Zaha made that run, he just looked like panic stations. And if you see the goal, he, he goes to go one way, he goes to go another way, he goes to go another way when really that that should be, he should be on his toes, ready to go and just open up and ready to make one run. But instead he goes one way, tries to go one way and it's just, he doesn't seem to be... Sorry to interrupt, but you say that, Tom, but if you watch the replay, when Fab's losing the ball or making an awful attempt at a tackle, Zaha's on Van Dyke and Van Dyke loses him and then Zaha targets Phillips. So he's got the world's best centre back loses Zaha and the DM in front of him is going to protect him, falling over. Okay, yes, he's yeah, facing, yes, he's facing the wrong position, but I think it's too easy and lazy to blame him because Zaha's run past him. But he shouldn't Zaha shouldn't have been able to, shouldn't have been allowed to run past him or he shouldn't have lost the ball. So he was, I think he was sold up an alley there with not a lot, not a lot he could do. And what does Van Dyke do when he gets in the box? He runs into the box and just stands there and watches Zaha shoot. Like well, Van Dyke should, should try and block the shot or well, do think, something, but he stands there and watches Zaha shoot. 
I, I mean, I think with that, I think he's he's hedging his bets with one Zaha maybe taking one more stride inside and a bit bit more of an inside angle for the shot, and then maybe with that angle that he had, maybe just trust in Allison because I mean, yeah, that you see that sometimes where it's either make the challenge, make the dangerous challenge, or you you trust your goalkeeper, and um, yeah, I mean, it was a great finish. So it's sometimes that goes into Allison's arms. Sometimes Allison tips around the post. But every now and then you're going to have someone that's going to whip it right, into, right inside the post. But I think, um, yeah, no, I get what you mean about the, the Van, Dyke, Van Dyke lose initially. But realistically, in those situations, I think there's enough space and time in front of them that they can read that run. Because Van Dyke's not going to come running all the way across to the right-hand side where Matt is and then leave all of that left-hand side. They, they need to be communicating with... I, I don't know whether the communication was there. I assume it was that, you know... Van Dyke's telling him he's coming, so then he's ready for him to come over to that left-hand side channel. Um, it's it's tough. I mean, at the end of the day, it's not it's, it's not Phillips. So I can't get too wound up that he's made the mistake. I mean, you can be frustrated maybe that he was playing in the first place because we've kind of been here before. But I mean, calling that Canate, Matip, Gomez were all going to be out. It's tough. I mean, sometimes you just got to look it in the chin. But again, we went one nil down, and we've been in that situation before. And we've come, we've been patient, we've come back, we've kept our heads, and we've kind of gone on to win the game. Which, yeah, we did the opposite today. I think for me, the most frustrating part of that whole goal was the fact that they actually did nothing up until that, and they they score. You know, like nothing for all before. our effort and for all our chances and for all our possession. Uh, you know, for us to, you know, not, not produce anything, no, no labour for our fruits, sort of speak, and for them to do that and, you know, to just be clinical. And, you know, that, that stat that's going around, that was quite viral Wise when we went 1-0 down, that Liverpool have conceded Wait. again, you know, have gone behind again. And, like, I'm, I'm, I know, like, as last season, Liverpool were quite good from coming back from behind, but, like, it's a concern and it's not a really good trend. Just before... We had the attack that broke down, which lent to the goal. I had written, literally, so what, 10, 15 seconds before the goal? I had written down that the stats had been pulled up and said we'd had 11 shots to their zero. Mm-hmm. And then they score. Ridiculous. I saw that. It just sums it up, doesn't it? That is really, really, really deeply frustrating. And, it, I mean, and then after that, I mean, let, let's carry on talking because... I know, Steve, you were really, really frustrated and, um, you know, there wasn't much going on. But, like, of course, um, you know, uh, I think it was around about 40 minutes, um, Ali got called into action again with, you know, great on, um, uh, you know, to save Zaha's um, shot there. You know, they, they kind of had a little bit of confidence then after that, in my opinion. You know, like, they, they felt like, oh, yeah, we can get behind these lot. We can, we can certainly, certainly attack them. And, you know... I don't know, there was like a, a slight element of confidence in Palace's attack, which was something that wasn't there before. And I thought Liverpool looked just a little nervy after they went behind. Yeah, I think, you know, once they realised that, because before that, they were doing a lot of balls over the top and Phillips is, he's, you know, he's a slightly more shit Martin Skirtle, seaball, headball, kickball. And when you're doing that to Phillips, he's there all day long. Um and it's absolutely fine, right? But once it became getting in behind, he doesn't have the pace of Canate, and he doesn't have the pace of Gomez. And they probably saw that Van Dyke wasn't having the best 10, 15 minutes of the game. So it made sense for them to try that route. But also their game plan was that obviously, you know, a 5-4-1 was to run the channels, was to get Elise and Schlapp up and around um, Zahar at any opportunity and just to get Zahar in behind. You know, he had two or three chances in the end, didn't he, of balls over the top or through balls between the centre-halves and for an onto. So it was their game plan. Um, and I hate when Cara goes on about this is how we always concede goals, but it fits in with the, the rhetoric, right, that Sky and BT like to say of, you know, we play too high a line. And maybe with Nat Phillips, we did play slightly too high a line because he doesn't have that pace and awareness. I mean, Matip's not the quickest, but he has the, the game sense and the awareness. So probably, I don't know, it was a, it's just annoying, wasn't it? Um, and then they knew what to do and they did have a few 
they did have a few attempts at trying to get in behind. Um, but then Harvey really came alive, I wrote down, after that. Like, he was, it, it was like he was the, the player who was like, okay, we've conceded a goal now. Can we sort this out, please, lads? And was everywhere. I mean, just your point on then, like Nat Phillips and, you know, maybe, you know, the, the high line and, you know, people like to harp on about it. But, you know, he trains with this team, Tom, right? He trains with them. That is the drill that we go with when we're, you know, when, when Liverpool are sort of training, when they're doing any kind of, you know, training as a team, it's a high line. So you can't change it just for one centre-back who is fifth choice. No. Like he should be up to scratch. I don't believe in changing things for him. Yeah, no, I, I agree, and um, it's it's uh, it's sort of difficult situation because I imagine I, I imagine the the Gomez decision was probably a bit touch and go in the last twenty four hours whether he was going to be starting or not. So no, you don't you don't just change you don't change a, a game plan and how we play, which we've played like ever since Van Dyke come through the door. Just, um, just because of Nat Phillips playing, because at the end of the day, it was one chance that was snatch and grab, which, like Steve said, we'd already chalked up eleven opportunities to their zero at that point, and that was the first time they had any sort of meaningful um, input in the game going forward. So, yeah, I think it would have been silly to, to change the, the game plan. It's just one of those that you you trust that the the rest of the team is in sync enough that we can handle that, and yeah. It was a, it was a, it was a moment which we, which which caught us off guard and we paid the price for in the end. Yeah, and uh, you know, just going back to you know earlier, you know, trying to drum up something. There was again some momentum, and you know, certainly towards injury time. And um, Tom, I'll stick with you because at forty-eight minutes, Darwin Nunes gets the ball, and I'm like, oh my god, that has gone in, and it clips. It clips, the, it comes off the post, and I'm like, what the hell? Literally, I mean, just talk me through what you were feeling, because from the camera angle that I had, and I don't have the best vision, I'm just putting it out there, despite me wearing glasses, I just thought that's gone in. It just looked yeah. just too much of a dream, like, for it to not go in. Yeah, yeah, and uh, I mean, the, the ball from Harvey was beautiful. It was just kind of like typified as half, where... Everything that he was doing was so crisp and so nicely convicted. And um, Darwin, being the physical presence that he is, is able to get up high, take it down and, and do quite well with it. I mean, obviously, he didn't get the best connection on the ball, but sometimes in those situations, you just need to get enough on it. And there was so much going on. It just felt like it was in the air forever before it eventually come off the post. I was wondering, I felt like I had so much time to think about what was actually going on between the fact that when he had the ball and then when it hit, hit the post. So, yeah, it was um, typical of the of the evening in the end. And Steve, what did you make of uh, that that Nunes chance at the end? Did it kind of um, cement your feelings that it's one of those nights? I think it was when he sh- on the 34th minute where he just kind of frustratingly shoots from like, 25 yards then I, that's when I just I don't know but then yeah he hits the post I literally wrote down DW hits post for fuck's sake with lots of exclamation marks because that's that yes I know I said I wouldn't swear because Lisa was listening but that was just 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 fucking ridiculous thank goodness my children don't listen to this um, yeah it was, it was it's typical wasn't it the, his first start he doesn't. He doesn't get a goal. It's just these things seem to be written in the stars, don't they? Um, it was just. I mean, just before that, I've literally written down rubbish corn. It was so bad, I forgot who took it. Um, yeah, that, and then Van Dyke almost falls over the ball. The most yes. composed player in our team normally. Yes. Yep, and we've, follow, yep. <laughs> we've seen him. We've seen him lace those in like. God, I forgot he, about that as well because nobody he, he had picked himself up and he went flying. <laughs> but he had so much time; he could have he could have stopped the ball, asked James Miller to bring him a cup of tea, and then shot. That's how much time he had, and he just fumbles over the ball. So, like the composure just wasn't there at all. Uh, it was it was rubbish, rubbish. I've written down rubbish. That's how I felt at halftime. My halftime analysis was rubbish. 
Steve is not happy. And you know what? We're going to move on swiftly to the second half. But before I do that, also, can I just mention something from second half as well, first half? Um, I think uh, Luis Diaz picked up a yellow and I thought he was having a really, really good game. I thought there was a lot of fight and energy in him. And I felt like I was I was getting a bit scared there when he got that yellow. And I was like, shit, he's going to have to dial it down a fraction. But you know what? Um, <laughs> it's, it's, it's amazing what I think and what actually unfolds. But we will move on to the second half. And we do have a caller, so I'm going to bring her in. It's a familiar voice on the Nina Kaza Show and Anfield Index podcast. She's lovable, the likable, the insightful Lisa Marie. Lisa, welcome to the Nina Kaza Show. Hello, everybody. Um, first of all, I don't know that I'm all of those things, but, but thank you very much. Um, yeah, that was not fun to watch. Um, and I only watched half of it. So, Yeah. <laughs> Um, can you hear me okay? We can hear you fine. Okay, we can perfect. hear you fine. Just yep. make sure. yep. I'm always paranoid about sound. Um, what can I say? I know that it feels like I have been designated to bring positive and sunshine vibes, and, and I'm not quite sure that I'm up to the task tonight. But um, I, I, I did come up with three bright spots, if, if that will help. <laughs> Go for it. Um, please, desperately. I'm sorry, what? We said yes, yes please. please, please, please. Okay. Yes, yes. And, and some of these have already been talked about, but but I will say, first of all, yes, my fourth child, Harvey Elliott, did very well tonight, um, as has been mentioned and brought up. And, and, you know, one thing that I've always loved about Harvey's play is he, he's very tenacious. And you, we saw that tonight, you know, he did not, and I don't think necessarily anybody else gave up, but, you know, but he really pushed and, you know, tried to make things happen. Um, and as I think it was Stephen that said, you know, or maybe it was Tom, but somebody was talking about how he really does link up well on that right side with Mo, with Trent. Um, and so he was, you know, he was absolutely giving it all. So bright spot, number one, especially since there was some conversation about, you know, He's young, you know, we don't want to put all of our, you know, don't want to put too much pressure on him. Can he really perform? Because he really hasn't played that much at the Premier League level. But, you know, if he keeps doing what he did tonight, you know, I I think, you know, that's a bright spot for us, especially in all the midfield talk. Um, second, I think we saw that Luis Diaz can step up. He's got a little bit of that, you know, Mane in him that, you know, can and step up and get us that goal when we need it. Um, and that was a beautiful goal. It was an absolutely beautiful goal. Um, so that's number two. Um, and then third, I said that I thought, you know, I felt better when Gomez came on. Um, and again, I didn't see the first half. All, <laughs> all I saw the first half, kind of funny story. Um, I was out. My daughter had a doctor's appointment. And we had just come back into the house. And I picked up my phone to look at the uh, the score and it was right as Crystal Palace scored. And I'm like, and I just kind of let out this sort of like yelp of frustration. And she's like, what happened? And I'm like, Liverpool is, is losing to Crystal Palace. And she's like, oh, that's all? I thought like somebody had died. <laughs> oh, anyway, 13-year-olds, they're great. Um, so yeah, but I do have this just very kind of, I, I was like, why, when have I, what do I feel like? And I kind of feel like I did in February of 2021, and that's not good. So let's just hope that may not find their form in the next week before we play them, and that can make us all feel a lot better this time next week. Yeah. Thank you, Lisa. We love that. And we'll be discussing some of them points because uh, we definitely do want to talk about Joe Gomez and, you know, how he handled the Zaha threat. And of course, we will be talking about um, Luis Diaz's goal as well. But yeah, those were some positive spots and there. So thank you. Even, you can certainly swear in front of me. It is fine. I don't mind. It's okay. <laughs> I know being yeah, always so nice and calm and polite when it's me, you and Guy that it just makes me feel bad. <laughs> Plus, well, you are hard I don't necessarily mom. swear myself doesn't mean that I don't mind hearing it. It's okay. I know, um, but your, your Harvey's mum and we're picking up how good he is, <laughs> it, you know, it just doesn't feel appropriate. Well, knock yourself out. Trust me. Um, my, I, I absolutely don't mind. In fact, it, it amuses me when you all do. So, anyway. Right. 
that's it. The gloves are off. That's it. We're going for it because now we are going to talk about the feisty part of, of the game. And Steve, I'm going to come to you. Uh, you know, second half starts and, um, you know, Nunes as you know, tries, he, he has another chance and, uh, you know, he gets cuts across. Um, I think it was Ward that cut across. I can't think, but someone cut across and, you know, kind of blocked his shot there and he was kind of claiming a handball. Um, you know, so that was the first thing that happened. And then I think we're just going to have to go there. What the hell was he doing? You know, um, yeah. and you know what, you know what I'm talking about because that was absolutely fucking moronic. And there's no way to put it. You know what? I'm all for. You know what? Actually, let's all just have a chat. I'm not even going to come to Steve. Let's all talk about this. Tom, Steve, let's chat yeah. about this. Because I am all yeah. about passion. I am all about showing fire. But that was fucking moronic. It was stupid. It was costly. It was immature. It was unprofessional. Like, I'm not being funny. It was wrong on so many levels. And you know what you kind of demonstrate to the whole Premier League? Because everyone's watching that. Every manager's watching that. Every coach is watching that. Every player's watching that. And you know what? You've just told the whole world, potentially, we can get under your skin. You're quite easy to get you know, under a skin. And I, you can't justify I can't justify it because, you know, when Sadio Mane got sent off against Edison... Like for me, he went to he went for the ball. His leg was high. There's he went to play for the ball. That was just outright, just frustrating, mm-hmm. violent, completely no regard for. Hang on a minute, this is going to cost my team. And I just think now he could potentially be an easy target, and that is a concern for me now. It was stupid. However, the centre half buys it because when you watch it in slow mo, his they don't even touch faces. His chests are really hard and puts his face on his face. And then the centre half touches his nose and then falls over. Like, but that's what you, if someone was doing that to one of our players, you'd want them, you know, you know, Matip not only would have fallen over, but then would have stood up and thrown all the limbs until the player was sent off. So the defenders bought it and he should have bought it. It was absolutely fucking stupid. Yep. But this is one of the reasons when we had the amazing podcast in the summer where I was so excited, I was like a kid in the sweet shop that we signed in. This is the silly stuff that play, players like Zlatan had this in them and had to have it battered out of them, and he still does stupid stuff. Like, part of Suarez's genius was the stupid stuff. Like, players like Nunes want to win so goddamn much that occasionally they're going to just flip the lid. And I don't think it's enough that defenders will target him because Klopp will have given him an absolute battering for that i wouldn't be surprised if tiny little harvey elliott has given him a battering for that <laughs> in the changing rooms um because it was stupid it was stupid and immature it's going to happen again in his career but playing on the edge is one of the reasons he was he is going to be so important for us you know there were chances he went through where he throws his entire body at the ball in a way that other players who are more calm and considered wouldn't do um i'm not excusing it but i think we have to except that it's who he is and occasionally he'll be stupid and it was dumb and it did probably cost us the actual win. He'll learn to control it. He'll learn to control it, I'm sure. He will and then he'll headbutt somebody in a United game. After a hat trick, do you think he's a legend because he'll have done it to someone really annoying like Maguire Slabhead? I don't know. Obviously, I, I know very little about player psychology, and obviously, we have the Minefield podcast for all that. Mm-hmm. But for me, do you think it was a case of just the frustration of the kind of how, how his um, evening was going? Obviously, the, the crossbar shot before that, um, you know, um, he was screaming for a handball, which wasn't a handball, let's be honest. You know, the player just kind of blocked the shot, and it just so happened to, you know, it wasn't a handball. In my opinion, it was not a handball. But do you think it was the element of frustration prior to that, which just kind of added to it? Do you think under normal circumstances, do you think if someone did that to him, say, for example, when he got his his goal against Fulham, you know, if he's in a better, you know, if he's in a better state, mm. he doesn't react like that. Do you think that's a contributing factor? Probably, but I think it's a. I think it's a handball. I think we should have had three penalties today. Um, okay. I, I, the player's arm is raised. The ball goes into his arm. He's diving towards the ball with his arm 
up. I know he's bought the arms in a natural position, but his arm is up. They've changed the rules. He's hit his arm in the box and stopped it going in. It's the rules again, because to me, that was a natural position of an arm. When you're dancing... He's he's thrown himself at the ball with his arms in a position to block the ball. It should have been a penalty. Um, Where else are you supposed to put your arms up? Don't throw yourself at the ball. That's the whole thing, though, isn't it? Like, he's blocked a goal-scoring opportunity with his arm by throwing his body at the ball. It's not like he was... It's not like the ball was kicked at him. He threw himself at the ball. It's the context of the entire movement. It's the context of the entire movement of the defender, and as Tom said, which which has to deny the goal-scoring opportunity, which is why I think it's a penalty. So I think him not getting that, and he knows it's a penalty. I think him hitting the post... I think the fact that he was just constantly, everything that was aimed for him was going straight to Guita. Um, and then, oh, what's, what's his name? And, and Johansson, before, is it Johansson? Yeah. The defender says something to him. Anderson, yeah, because he had his yeah. hands all over him before whilst um, some player was coming in. Yeah. And then and... he shrugged him off. I think he, he kind of pushed him back and then Anderson kind of screamed in his face and that's where he kind of did the motion of headbutting him. Yeah, but also just before that, there's literally two... Anderson has two hands on him a couple of minutes yeah. before that. Mm. And he doesn't get a foul. Yeah, well, let's not a bit further, on, a bit further on in the match when, um, what's his name, centre-back's got two hands on Diaz with much less of a, anything Ward, he gives a foul. It's so inconsistent. Like, but it was outside the box, wasn't it? That's why it was outside yeah, the box. But... In this, in the fiftieth minute, he doesn't get the doesn't get the foul for two hands on the box. But later in the match, he gives it. So he, yeah. I, I, by that point, he's he's just exploded. He's a twenty three year old, frustrated, and he's evidently extremely passionate player. As I said, I'm not excusing him, but I, I understand how it happened. I I I, I, I wrote two player notes. Well, two of my player notes at half time. I felt like ended up defining our second half. I wrote down with Darwin, relax a little, bit more composure, because it felt like everything was so, so hectic, and it, and it was kind of reflecting in just his general his touch when he was for on goal. Like you look at the one that hit the post and the one that led to that handball, they're all really rash and frantic. If he had a bit more composure, maybe there would have been different outcomes. But and then my second one was with Diaz, was brilliant, just needs to be more of a goal threat. Nice. And you know what? Let's let's kind of go there. So, of course, you know, Nunes gets sent off. And I think hopefully, hopefully now Klopp will have a little sit down with him and will blast him. I, I think Klopp will blast him. Do you think that's fair? Yeah, I think he's already said. I think I saw post-match he said he, kn- he knows he let the team down. but we'll, And Milner said we'll rally behind him. So he'll have the support of everyone, but also Klopp will tell him. And I, I mean, in that situation, you don't need to be told really what dickhead you've been. And I have to say, I thought Milner was really good in that whole situation as well. He just grabbed him straight away and said, just get off the pitch. You know, don't make it worse for yourself. Just walk, you know? And I think he explained a lot of it. Yeah. Yeah. And I think think Milner showed why he's probably a better captain than Henderson because he escorts him. Twice you see him going over to him and saying, get off the pitch. And he doesn't scream and F and blind and shout and point. He just calmly goes over to him and says, get off the pitch. Whereas, you know, Hendo would have been stamping his feet and screaming at him. And what he just needed was Milner to put his arm around him and say, just just get off the fucking pitch, you idiot. Yeah. Um, just, yeah. So, you know, let's go back to Tom's notes there. So, okay, so the first thing, um, which kind of didn't quite manifest for you there, um, Nunes gets sent off. And then within, I'd say, about four minutes, um, can we just talk about Luis Diaz? Uh, because uh, that goal, and Tom, I'm going to come to you because he mm. he just basically, you know, where we were kind of getting frustrated at the crosses, we were getting frustrated at everything. Here comes Luis Diaz and he's like, okay, you know what? Um, I have to take control of a situation here. And he just kind of uses his dancing feet. And you know what? He has got the most amazing dancing feet. Just makes space for himself and he just slots it home so majestically in front of the cop. Much needed. Stunning goal. Yeah, and I, I really like the the mention of Mane because I felt like with prime Mane when when the the chips were down for us, he had that ability to just say, "Do you know what? 
I'm better than everyone on this pitch. I'm stronger than everyone on this pitch. I'm faster than everyone on this pitch. If we need a goal, sort of like, fuck it, I'm going to get it for us. And I felt like that's what Diaz did in that second half. And he absolutely dragged us through and did everything he could on his end to, to try and get us three points in the end. I mean, the goal was absolutely ridiculous. I remember watching the replay going, that's one, that's two, that's three, that's four, that's five. Just guys that he goes past and then the finish was ridiculous. And um, a really good moment to... I mean, he's, he's had a few attempts at those and there's not gone in or there was one at Fulham that got disallowed. It was, a, it was a matter of time before another one of those uh, just went flying into the corner and he picked a really good moment to get it. And um, yeah, I mean, if that's what to expect from him to drag us through in those critical moments, we're going to have a hell of a player because he's only going to get better and better. Steve, what did you make of his um, wonderful goal? I'm so glad I was wrong about him. In the first half, I thought, uh, maybe it's not his day. And I was like, maybe we need to bring on, you know, Carvalho on about 60 minutes. But he really, like the second half, he just grew into the game. And that, that was just, that's why we bought him, wasn't it? It was a real magical moment. There was something about when he takes on that first defender, where he actually perked up and got into a good mood for the first time in the match. He looked like something was about to happen. He just, I know people have com- compared him to, um, Coutinho, but there's almost something more rugged, which makes it more exciting about the way he go past players. He might be elegant with the ball at his feet, but he also looks like he's going at them like a Rottweiler. It's almost like I dare, he's like I dare you to come near me as I might punch you in the face as you try to get the ball off me, and the defenders just backed off and backed off and backed off, and finally, you know, Tom Tom said it, you know, he's had a few of those, and finally he nestled it in the bottom corner. And we watched him do that against City for um, Porto. We've been waiting for it to happen. It was a bloody brilliant goal. Stunning goal, yep. And then straight after that, Klopp makes his triple sub. Milner, Phillips and Robo Olaf on Kuman, Chimikas, Hendo and Gomez. And let's go to that point, Steve, um, of Gomez coming on. Because obviously we're speaking about, you know, Zaha, but... and. Uh, Lisa kind of addressed, you know, that she was really happy to see Joe Gomez on and it was great to see him get the minutes. I thought he came on, he just looked so much more comfortable with Zaha. I felt like he was dealing with the threat a lot better. I felt like he was mopping up a lot easier. Um, It was just great to see him play as well. I thought his cameo today was a positive one. Oh, I, I love Joe Gomez. I think one of my first two or three articles at AI, which feels like forever ago, was probably about Joe. Um, I'm a massive fan of his. But the fact he came on just after the 60th minute and the fact that the players were stood up almost ready to come on as Diaz is scoring is it feels like Klopp and the coaching team had decided that 30 minutes is what he needed today. I think it was a very much a plan for Joe's coming on, getting 30 minutes, seeing the game out as opposed to reaction to how Nat played. Um, and he, him and, like him and Verge are best mates. Instantly, like the the communication they have, like whether it's verbal or through body language, they just looked more comfortable. And then Virgil starts spraying his ridiculous seventy yard passes and almost plays in Mer a bit later on. Um, so 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 pleased to see Joe come on and just his confidence building up as the game went on. But I was also really excited to see Costas because I feel like Robbo's just been rusty for a while now right i know he kept getting into good positions but didn't do much with it and i'm a fan of costas but his crossing was rubbish and he has those occasional games where he is bad but normally that means the next time he comes on he gets an assist so i was excited to see costas come on and the pendo for milner was always happening we all wanted to see nabby come on but you know, the fact that Milner got 62 minutes out of this game while kicking lumps and passing the ball and running and doing all the things that Milner does, you know, he the guy was probably bloody knackered when he came off. So it was no surprise to see Hendo. I just wished it was Nabby. Um, but yeah, Joe was, the, Joe was by far the standout for those three guys today. Yeah, he really was. And Tom, what what did you make of um, uh, Joe Gomez's cameo? Because I just felt like he just looked so much more composed in in defence. If and you know, Palace did have a few chances and did try to run out our defence a few times, and I felt like he was just in a better position to kind mm-hmm. of deal with Zaha and just to cut out the ball and just being there in the right place. 
Yeah, he's um, he was so much more assured, and I felt like um, even in a, in his own way, he's more physically imposing. I think obviously Matt has his own way of he's incredible in the air, but and he, and he imposes himself that way. But I feel like Joe's is more of a you know stride for stride. I'll match you, and you know Zaha's a very powerful runner, but Joe's just as powerful, if not more powerful, and. Um, you know, whether it's Eze running at him or Zaha, you back him because you know he's just as fast, he's probably stronger, and he's got a, a really good chemistry and natural partnership with Virgil. I think that's probably the best we've ever seen our defence play was with those two at centre-back. Um, so, yeah, yeah, it was really good to see him get minutes at, at centre-half opposed to at right-back because um, I think everyone loves Joey. And, um, yeah, hopefully now he's kind of shook off whatever the problem was and uh, we can see him for a couple of weeks because apparently it seems as though Matic's going to miss two weeks apparently we know that Ibu's going to be out until you know maybe at least September so um, it'd be good to see those two uh, pick up where they left off a couple of years back yeah absolutely it was great to see Joe Gomez and you're right he is very very good friends with um, uh, Virgil van Dijk and that's always cute to see I mean, Steve, I'll come back to you because I felt like after that goal went in, I felt like, again, Liverpool were doing what they were doing pretty much all game, you know, trying to create something certainly from the right-hand side because I think you're quite right from the left-hand side. I felt like, you know, um, (laughs) Chimikasi's crossing wasn't probably, it was probably less than desirable, but I felt like, you know, people like Trent and Salah were trying to do things. Salah trying to set up Trent Alexander-Arnold. He just couldn't connect with it. But I think that was around about 70 minutes. You know, there was a lot of good things happening and I kind of noticed some Palace players go down with cramp, which is, I know it sounds awful, but it's always a good thing. It means they're tired, you know, like this could work in our favour. But I mean, just just talk to me about maybe after the goal, the aftermath, the, the tactical changes and stuff, um, because I felt like we were still kind of controlling the midfield. We were still doing the things that we needed to do. You know, Fab was involved as well, you know trying to, you know, you know, link up with more Salah and such things. So, I mean, what did you make of us after the goal? Did you feel like it was coming? Because I felt like we were certainly applying the pressure and we certainly didn't look like we were 10 men down. I think we 100% controlled the game. Um, I was glad to see um, Carvalho coming on, but I felt like we lacked a focal point we needed to finish the game yes. off. Yes, Um I know, I, I know Mo came inside and Elliot and um, Carvalho picked up on the right a lot and Diaz started playing really narrow, but we just didn't have even Bobby Wright or last season uh, Mane or most definitely Jota. Like some of the crossing that was poor was also because there was nobody really to attack the ball. Like if we had, um, if we had Jota in there, some of those backball crosses are literally his bread and butter. Especially the ones where the keeper doesn't realise there's a player there and they don't pay attention, and he just appears and scores on his head. So it it was quite frustrating. But again, in the when when did I have it? Like 79th minute, Luis Diaz is manhandled in the box. No penalty. Um, and you know what, is Steve, I'm glad you kind of mentioned that because this is for me where the the referee was massively inconsistent, right? And I wanna and Tom, I want to get your thoughts on this as well, because what happened was the first half, he was just letting everyone play. I felt like the game had a nice rhythm to it. It had a good tempo. There was a lot of fouls, but he was letting them go on both sides for most parts. And then, of course, he I felt like he lost control and command of the game after he sent off um, uh, Nunes. And I felt like he was losing his head. I felt like he was letting stupid things go. Like we're talking about manhandling of players. I felt like those were more obvious. And he was just ignoring them. In the, it was almost like he didn't want to give a penalty, and there were clear penalties. Yeah, and it's not a new thing. I mean, the, I, I think there was actually a point in the first half where I applauded him, where I thought he let one go that went in our favour, and I thought, thank God, because it was consistent with the decision he made before that win. I mean, there's with those kind of decisions, it's it's frustrating but it's even more frustrating when they're inconsistent and say if he gives one but doesn't give the other one and but I actually applauded him for for being consistent with that decision and if that's how he's gonna let the game flow then that's fine and we can yeah. we, we can it deal with that and you know teams, you want... right? it affects both teams exactly. you know yeah. exactly mm. and, and then when it comes to the manhandling of players in the box this isn't a new thing this is 
something that's actually getting really out of hand and it's driving me insane just how often players like Salah, Diaz and stuff can be absolutely manhandled to the floor and no one does anything about it. I just It does not make sense to me why these decisions aren't being given. It, I don't he know booked, what... Didn't he, he book Luis Diaz for like just a slight tug of a shirt, which I was like, how dare you give me yellow for that? Because you've just like, you've, you've stifled him there because he, he, was, he had some fight in him before that and then he kind of fizzled for me. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Like, like you say, after the, um, the red card, he absolutely lost, lost his head with that game. Because before that, he was doing okay and he was managing it at least consistently, which is all you can really ask for. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, guys, um, I thought those were like the main talking points. But for me, like, I felt like, you know, there were like, there were some like shots. That I was like, oh, nearly, nearly. And of course, Salah had one run about 86 minutes. And I think Cavalio had one run about 89 minutes. But for me, it kind of felt like it wasn't really happening. Are there anything? Is there anything that you feel that like we've missed from the game that kind of needs highlighting? Steve, I'm going to come to you first on this one. I wrote it down in the 86th minute. Mo missed. Thought he'd won it. Mm. Like yeah. he missed, and he also like when you watch the replay back, he almost looks a tad bit too um, relaxed. It wasn't. I don't know. It was that like that is typically his bread and butter. And then Carvalho was almost the hero. And how amazing mm-hmm. would that have been for his confidence had he scored? We would have all been, you know, I'd have probably been a bit more excited at the start of the pod as opposed to a miserable sod. But um, there was a lot of Hendo chip balls again today that came to nothing. But those two ch- those are the two chances I thought we might actually do it and we didn't. And then uh, Mo plays a lovely ball to Trent and he's offside and he misses. Oh, it just it just wasn't wasn't our day, but the positives we can take are Carvalho is looking more and more settled. Could this be Elliot's breakout season? Could could he if he gets enough minutes and is looked after in the right way, could he be the guy who saves saves our midfield? You don't want to rely on a kid, but at the same time, Bellingham is a kid and everyone's waiting for him to come in and save the day, you know. Maybe he just needs the responsibility of the opportunity and he just looks so god Damn good with Mo and Trent, and he just looks so smart off the ball. It's the thing that impresses me so much as a kid. He is so mature about where he's moving off the ball, and when he's worked out what to do with that absolute monster centre forward, and he's not, you know, getting three much bands. I think that I think those guys are going to be magic together. So I think we can. The performance is annoying. The results terrible, but hopefully we're seeing the start of. Joe being fit and maybe being Verge's partner again. Tom said it himself. Like those two are our, those two were our best ever defensive pairing under Klopp. Um, Harvey's magic. Fab, Fabio looks like he's going to be good. And Diaz got his freaking goal, and that's what Diaz needed. So yeah, hopefully this is. And they're all going to get rollicking, aren't they? They're all going to be in training tomorrow. Getting. Um, a lot of stick and Cy Brundish has said the same thing like the pens we should have had the penalties and the worst thing about bloody penalties is there's no replays so yeah I've gone off track haven't I (laughs) we expect nothing less from you Steve Uh, good job there and Tom I'm going to come to you any takeaways from from that game Um, not takeaways um, final thoughts anything that you feel like hasn't been mentioned you know the closure side of the pod yeah, um, I mean, I don't know if it was just me, but after the sending off from the three substitutions, could anyone figure out what this system or the shape was? There was the, probably like a five to ten minute period where Trent, uh, Trent was like up front, <laughs> Salah was wide yeah. right, yeah. Henderson was midfield, Harvey was kind of out on the right-hand side somewhere as well, and it just looked like an absolute mess. But yeah. I feel like it, it was such a mess that it almost caused Palace a little bit of problems because there was five or ten minutes where we were we're really trying to turn the the volume up and pile mm. on the pressure and they didn't really seem to to get a grip of the game at least. But yeah, I mean takeaways, yeah, Harvey continues to impress and I'm I'm really excited to see where he is and where his game is in, in May, come May. Um it'd be really good to see him add some numbers to his game, I think. I mean, not expecting, you know, 10 goals, 10 assists, but if he starts adding maybe a couple of goals, a few assists to his game, I think 
we're going to have again another serious, serious player on our hands. And um, yeah, from what and I've just seen a stat that from the first two, uh, from the first two opening games, Liverpool have the highest uh, accumulated XG in the Premier League, which again says it all, maybe. <laughs> It does indeed. Now, you know, put some of those away, please. It would be great. And let's get some, you know, let's let's get some wins under our belt. I think for me, the the takeaway, I mean, you guys, you, we've discussed it really well. And I really, really like your, your in, insight into this. I think for me now, obviously, you look onto the next. And I'm just thinking now, like, with all the injuries that, you know, we have. And, you know, the, the one conundrum that we never had was up front. And now we're going to have that against Man United because, Nunez won't feature and I was literally like grinning when I saw Martinez Mm -hmm. on on the third goal for Man United thinking oh my god this is going to be such joy for Nunez so that's my concern now like what you know it's another thinking point for Jurgen Klopp yeah it looked like it was going to feast I think everyone was just looking forward to Darwin feasting on uh, Martinez next week especially on that left hand side with Yes. where Salah and Trent would be occupying as well. It could have been an absolute slaughter, but yeah, maybe some different different thinking now. Mo's going to batter United, and we all need it, and especially Another hat-trick. Another hat-trick. Love it. Love it. Have yeah. two. Just have two, Mo. You're, 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 you're due lots of goals. Go and score six against United and make us all feel better. <laughs> here, here. Right, we like that. So let's see what happens. But yes, guys, uh, thank you so much for listening to Nina Kaza Show. Thank you for everyone that joined us live. A massive shout out for Lisa for calling in and you know taking up the the caller spot. And before I go, I need some plugs from these two excellent gents. So you know, because I think they've been excellent on this podcast. Um, Steve, where can people find you on social media? And is there anything you'd like to plug? To be fair these days, you can mostly find me ranting in a Discord because I haven't been on Twitter for months. But I will be back on the weekend with Justin. Our last time me and Justin did a pod, we actually won a game of football. So we're going to smash United. So look forward to that. So there you go. Spoiler alert. You know who our guests are on, on Monday night. So there you go. Steve's back on. And Tom, um, really loved um, having you on back to back on the podcast. Um over to you. Where can people find you on social media? And is there anything you'd like to plug? Uh, yeah, no plugs. Uh, Tom on the clock on Twitter. And uh, on the flip side, I'm two for two on podcasts on, uh, and dropped points. So I won't be in here next week. So, which only says one thing, three points. Well, lucky for you guys, I'm not superstitious like that. So... It is what it is, right? Um, guys, um, thank you so much for listening. Um, I know that wasn't pleasant viewing and uh, you watched it though and you listened to this podcast. I, I hope you enjoyed it. Do let us know your thoughts. Give us feedback. We love hearing from you guys. Guys, thank you so much for listening. Um, we're going to sign off now. Um, take care. Till next time. Up the Reds. We hope you enjoyed listening to this Anfield Index show. Please be sure to subscribe to our channel so future podcasts find their way to your device automatically. There's nothing quite like fan engagement, and we'd love to know what you think of anything discussed on this show. The best way to get in touch is over on our free Discord community, where both podcasters and listeners debate the hottest LFC topics 24-7. Sign up free now at anfieldindex.com forward slash discord. You won't regret it. You can also follow us on Twitter, at Anfield Index and find us on Facebook by searching for Anfield Index. Oh, and before you go, we'd love it if you could leave us a five-star review on your favourite podcast app. It only takes a couple of seconds and it means the world to the people who create these free shows. Sports Social Podcast Network.